morning. Hey, um, thank you so much for um, talking to me today. Um, we are, of course, talking about uh, your new film, um, The Price We Pay. Um, first of all, uh, what kind of drew you to this project? This all started uh, in the middle of the lockdown when we were, you know, really, you we weren't really doing anything. <laughs> and uh, that's when I met uh, this super talented writer, Chris Jolly, who based in London. And uh, I met him online and we started talking and, you know, we just wanted to come up with some idea that when this lockdown is over, I can just go out and make make movie with maybe with my friends, you know. And I felt like, and I want to just, I just want to go back to my roots and do something crazy and fun, you know, bloody splatter gore, mm -hmm. fun movie, kind of like a '90s vibe to it. So, um, so me and Chris started trading ideas. Then he came up with this basic concept of the price we pay, and that's fascinated me. And we started working in the script and. Luckily, script went into Emil Harsh's hand, and he loved it, and he got on board. And that's when everything started, you know, move fast. Nice. Um, now, you mentioned, um, like, you know, it being kind of like uh, a fun, gory kind of throwback. Um, and, you know, I, I have to say that in a world dominated by, like, CGI, I really appreciate the practical effects um, that you that you use. Um Thank you. Uh, would you say that's very important to, you know, keep that tradition of practical effects in horror films? I really do believe that, you know, and especially I understand why they do it, you know, especially when you don't have much money and time to do it. Yes, it's much easier to do it in the post, you know, because these days it's very easy to add some like, you know, muzzle flash and the blood and everything. Right. But uh, I I don't know I just you know grew up watching glorious movie from the 80s all those you know Tom Savini and you know, Stan Winston all that great you know robotine special makeup right and it just doesn't feel like that when you see this fake blood you know fake everything you know so uh, but I understand you know if you spill tons of blood on the floor and every you know if you make a mistake you have to clean everything you have to change the costume you have to just clean up your face and do the makeup again and it's going to take take time and time is money when you're making you know movies so yeah I understand that you know producers always say do it in the post do it in the post but you know when it comes to the post they tell you that oh we don't have budget for that so like you know, I mean, I'm a survivor, so I, I know that I have to do on the set as much as possible. And luckily, the producer of this movie didn't say that. You know, they respect my vision and they're very supportive. So uh, from day one, I said, like, you know, I just want to do practical effect as much as possible. Yes, we have to use VFX, you know, here and there, but not everything. And I think it makes big difference. Yeah, it's very impressive looking. I um. While I was watching it and taking notes, I one of the things that I noted was uh, I just loved how, as you said, it's like a, it feels like a throwback film to like those really great 80s, 90s, you know, pulp horror films. Um, and um, kind of like going um, with that same vein, um, the surgery scenes, uh, I think, were like the most unique and kind of intense what was that like for the actors to um to do those scenes i think it was extremely stressful for steven <laughs> and gigi and emil 
especially Stephen, it was his first day. You know, I, I had to like all day tie tied him up on the gurney. He couldn't <laughs> move, and you know, but he's such a professional. So it's like you know, he just kept that crazy tension all the way. And I have huge respect to him. And it wasn't easy for everybody. And Vernon Wells, of course, you know, it was an honor to work with Vernon Wells. I'm a huge fan of, you know, Mad Max 2 and Commando. So uh, Vernon Wells got on board to do the grandfather doctor. That was very good. But he had like long line and, you know, but he was such a professional. He came, his background is like a theater actor. So, you know, no problem remembering all that, you know, long dialogue. And it was, it was, it was great. But, you know, since our main character basically tied up doing nothing right and this Bernard Wells the doctor character is talking 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 you know long scene so me and my DP Matthias we had to come up with all kind of crazy camera and different interesting angle to make the scene stand out because you know two people lying on the bed and one people talking you know for five minutes it's not going to be visually interesting but uh, I think, you know, I was lucky to have this great DP, Matthias, help me out. Yeah. And um, you two have worked before, right? Um, Since Downrange, yes. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, the film looks great. Um, I, I'm kind of curious, like, what was the most challenging aspect of the film? Most challenging aspect was, you know, everything happened so fast, this movie, you know, right after the lockdown, you know, everything happened so fast. And once Emil Harsh got on board and Emil made phone call to Stephen Dove and Stephen called me and we liked each other and we decided to do this movie, you know, and, you know, movie making, you know, the shooting is, of course, hard, but setting up the movie is even harder. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of projects out there. Even they got announced, the movie never happened. Right. So uh, that particular spot that was 2021, July, we made we had just enough money. It wasn't much, but enough money to make this movie. And we had this window to do it. And uh, but because I was, you know, I had this another obligation to do big movie in Japan. So I had to go to Japan. My window was only four weeks. That means I had only five days to prep this movie, 15 days to shoot, which is insane. And this wasn't the easy movie to make. If this is like, you know, two person locked up in a cell, talking, 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 a little bit of fighting, it's easy. But, you know, you, you watch the movie, you understand. It's like tons of crazy things happen and it's almost felt like impossible to prep in five days and shoot in 15 days. But, uh, you know, it was now or never situation, you know, because if we miss this window, never know when I'll be available, Emil will be available, Stephen Dove will be available. So we just, we knew that it's going to be chaotic, but you know what, let's just do this. And so it was like so intense, stressful, chaotic, exhausting 15 days <laughs> of my life, you know. And no matter how well prep you are, no matter how much money you have, every single day something happened on the set, <laughs> and all you know, like three hundred problems every day, right? But uh, I don't know. It was probably because it was right after the lockdown. We all had this crazy energy that we just want to do something. So uh, it was intense, but I think we were managed to capture that the tension and the power energy on the screen. So I'm, I'm really proud of, especially like final 30 minutes of the movie when everything goes crazy. I think mm -hmm. this chaotic passion, you know, because, you know, that's 
that's all I had when I was like uh, 25 years ago when I was nobody. You know, only thing I had was, you know, less money, a little bit of money with my friend. And I had the Super 8 camera running around in the woods and doing this crazy thing. You know, passion was all I had. But when you become a professional director, you always have another reason, right? You have to take care of the actors and the crews and the time and the money and the producers, all kinds of pressure. And you know, sometimes it's very hard to keep your passion. But this movie, even though we only had 15 days to shoot, you know, only thing we had was this crazy passion. We just wanted to do something crazy and fun. And I think we, we did it. So um, it was a very, you know, exciting experience. Yeah, well, I definitely think it translates. Um you know, as a very fun, uh, as you say, chaotic film. Um, I do love just how off the rails it goes, especially like you said, in the last half hour. Um, now I'm kind of curious, um, you know, since like last year we had, um, the remake of Hellraiser. Um, and of course you did, um, a Clive Barker adaptation, um, the midnight meat train. Um, would you ever, um, is there any like um, talks of a sequel to that or maybe you doing another Clive Barker adaptation? I mean, never know, you know, me and me and Clive became very close, you know, after the movie, you know, I mean, yeah, I still remember that the very first screening, uh, right after the screening, Clive came to me and he gave me a big hug. He, <laughs> he was crying and, you know, he loved the movie, you know, and uh, we became very good friends. So, um, yeah, one time we wanted to do this uh, adaptation of his video game called Jericho, which is basically like a predator meets X-Men in the world of Crybucker, which was great. And um, but it's 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 cost a lot of money. So <laughs> and uh, I love his story like Jacqueline S. I, I read that somebody was trying to do the movie, but the movie is not happening. You know, like I said, setting up the movie is very hard. So uh, if nobody's doing it, I would love to do Jacqueline S. And when we were shooting the movie, yes, Scribe and I had brief idea of the sequel. And one day Scribe came to me when I was shooting them, you know, Minamitri, uh, and he came to the set and he told me that, you know, hey, anyway, I have a, I have a title. And I said, mm -hmm. what? Butcher's Boy. So like, okay, <laughs> Butcher's Boy, Midnight Meat Train too. That sounds promising. So um, I don't know. You know, you never know. <laughs> Anything is possible. I'm, yeah. I'm still, I I love Clive. You know, I I love everything. You know, he 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 did. And yes, I would love to do some you know Clive Barker movie again. Nice. Um, did you get to see Hellraiser? And what did you think of it? If I mean, I wasn't. It was it wasn't my taste. I thought it was very well done, but uh, I, I just felt like it, I just didn't feel like Hellraiser. Yeah, you know, it's it's very hard, you know, to to do the remake. You know, I mean, I wouldn't touch that <laughs> <laughs> because the, the original one is a classic, and I believe that there is a, there are some movies you shouldn't touch. Yeah. You know, like Scanners. I mean, or Videodrome. Or what can you do even if you do the remake? You can't beat that. And Hellraiser is like that to me. So, uh, but you know, it was the production value. Everything was beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I I definitely agree. Um, I think they played it a little bit safe. But um, wrapping up real quick, um, what uh, else are, are you currently working on? Like, what what are fans? Um, what can they look forward to from you next? I'm working on, I mean, yeah, 
too many projects right now, but I'm really focusing on this uh, new movie we are planning to start shooting in this April. And it is kind of like a horror suspense thriller movie, but uh, it's not like what I've done. You know, it's not like splatter gore, serial killer kind of movie. It's a different kind of, you know, suspenseful, high tension, you know, movie on takes place on the ocean. So uh, that's all I can say. But uh, it, it's very challenging because this is the movie that I've never done before. But uh, that's that's what I really like to do. I, you know, I don't really like to repeat myself. So uh, you know, uh, I'll try to try my best to do something very different from what I did and try to do better movie every time. So. All right, that's great. Um, well, thank you so much again for um, talking to me. Big fan. I uh, love the movie. So um, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you.